verse 3 through 8. For the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith of God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If it is your gift to prophesizing, then prophecy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Good to be with you guys here on the mountain. Thanks so much for coming in. Uh, if anyone's in the back, wants a seat, there's still some in the splash zone um, here. Uh, I do spray when I talk, so I'll try to... That's why we have this big black thing right here. It's a filter. Um, but uh, really glad that you guys could join us uh, this morning. I tell you, one of my favorite elements of my job, and it's funny, I just looked at you two, uh, and I looked at you two. Um, one of the favorite elements of my job is getting to do weddings. Uh, uh, and my wife would tell you that's because it's food, and she'd, and she'd be right. <laughs> um, but it's for a couple reasons. One... I believe that marriage is something God has created, and I think it's right, and it's good. And I think because it's right and it's good that it's hard. And I think because it's right and it's good that it's lots of times under attack. And uh, so I feel very honored and privileged to be a part of people's journey and their story. I also love the opportunity to share truth. And, and, and this is the truth. In Ephesians, in Ephesians um, man, I'm, I'm doing your guys' wedding later this afternoon, and I'm, I'm doing a little sneak peek here, right? And uh, I did these guys' wedding a year ago this weekend. Woo-hoo! <laughs> it's awesome. These guys are getting married today at 2, right? 2? Yeah. So, um, the uh, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. In Ephesians, Paul says that you are to love your spouse as Christ loves the church. And it's like, well, what does that exactly mean? Well, there's a beautiful formula in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And I'm sure many of you guys know 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it goes on to say in verse 17 that Christ didn't come to the world to condemn it, but to save it. And see, the age-old recipe of love, the age-old recipe that makes a marriage work, is a choice to commit. God chose to love the world. Praise the Lord, He did that. Jesus chose to commit His life. Praise the Lord, He did that. And when those two things came together, it gave the human race an opportunity to be uncondemnable. And that's how marriage goes. It's a daily choice to commit. And when those two things happen, you render your marriage uncondemnable. Disney does not write stories about choosing to commit. Country music doesn't sing songs about choice to commit. But what's interesting is when a couple chooses to commit, 
I actually think all Disney movies and all country songs are actually written about the end product of what happens when a couple chooses to commit, right? And you've seen it. You've seen it in your own life. So I, I, that's one reason why I love weddings, because I can, I can talk about truth in such a fun way, and there's so many people in the audience, and I just love it when a couple comes up to me and is like, we've been married for 45 years, and you just challenged us to choose to commit. And I said, yeah, go get it. Get 35 more. We're going for 70. You know? And, um, and then my uh, other favorite part is the party. Weddings are amazing parties. I did one last night in Campton. They had a barbecue food truck. There was brisket. There was pulled pork. It was unbelievable. There was maybe one of my favorite drinks from Portland, Maine. It was unbelievable. And, uh, but what also was incredible is the band got up. They had one of those, is it called a Wolitzer organ? It's got the thing that goes like this in it. They had an unreal sax player, bass, uh, lead guitar, rhythm, bunch of great vocals. It was, I don't know the name of the band, don't ask me. They were just phenomenal. And what I love about that, it's a glimpse into heaven. Heaven is going to be a wedding reception. When those who have placed their faith and hope and love in Jesus Christ, they have become what the Bible calls the bride. Christ is the groom. Because of sin, we see him through a dim light right now. We see him through a foggy mirror. We see him through a foggy lens. But that day will come when we come into his presence, when God redeems and God writes, and we come in and we will see him as he truly is. And we will be known even as we are fully known. And we will have the baddest party you have ever imagined. It, you know why? Because last night I couldn't handle more than two plates of brisket. In heaven I'm going deep on brisket. Right? But what I love about heaven is what are you experiencing right now? You're experiencing the serenity of a mountaintop. Heaven is going to be somehow, simultaneously, the serenity of a mountaintop and the party of a wedding. And how that happens, I'm not sure, but I can't wait to get there. And you and I will be like, remember, we talked about it on the mountain. Yeah, they're playing that song again. Look at that sax player. He's going off. You know? And all the people from the medieval days will be like, what? There's saxophones in heaven? I thought it was a sin to play the sax. No, it isn't, baby. Louisiana, redeem the saxophone. Sorry, that was a tangent for my church history class. Any of you that's been in church history know that there was a time where the saxophone was considered extremely sinful. It's crazy. You should read church history. It's hilarious what churches deemed awful. And we should laugh, one, and then we should also look in the mirror because we, as 2018 Christians, sometimes do the dumbest same things. We love to major in the minors and minor in the majors. And it's, I don't, I know that the enemy has, does not care which side of the horse you fall off. He just wants you off the horse. So you can be off to the right and point your fingers at those that are off to the left, or you can be off to the left and point your fingers at those that are off the right. The enemy's like, you're off the horse, I don't care. And we need to think about that. The hardest thing about the Christian walk is balance. 
And balance cannot be obtained on your own. It requires the Spirit. The Spirit brings about balance. And that's what the book of John is talking about in the first chapter. When it says, the knowledge of God put on flesh and bone, they call Him the Mashiach, the Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ the Lord. And He was the fullness, John says, of grace and truth. Verse 14 says, He was the fullness of grace and truth. You know what kind of a paradox that is? Do you know the difference between grace and truth? I'm going to use a food analogy right now because I'm Marcus. Grace without truth is like your pizza delivery man showing up at your house with one of those portable ovens and he opens up that portable oven and the wafting smell of your favorite pizza hits you in the face. And then that pizza delivery guy goes on to explain each ingredient that is your favorite. So for me, he'd say... There is a thin crust with some cornmeal underneath it that's been cooked on some 800-degree bricks. On top of that is some homemade marinara. On top of that is some fresh mozzarella. On top of that is some gorgonzola. On top of that is some red onion. On top of that is some pulled barbecued pork. And on top of that is some pineapple. And it's been browned perfectly. That's what he'd say. He'd say all that, and I'd smell that pineapple pig into my mouth, nose. That's what I call that pizza, the pineapple pig. I make it at my house. It's incredible. Um, then he would shut his portable oven and walk away with nothing in my hand. Folks, that's grace without truth. And it's, it's hard because I err that way. I err on the side of telling people the warm and fuzzies of the gospel without explaining to them that they are sinners in desperate need of a Savior. Because I don't want to go there. Because I'm relational. And I want everyone to be happy and party. But grace without truth has no substance. But you write, you write people. Truth without grace? <laughs> That's a pizza de guy, delivery guy who shows up an hour to two hours late. Exactly. He shows up with a piece of frozen cardboard with rotten anchovies on it. And he says, here's your pizza! And he shoves it at you and leaves. Guess what? You got substance. But how, how was that substance delivered? Huh. Without grace. And if you do that, you will beat people out of relationship with God. And if you have grace without truth, you'll hug people <laughs> into a relationship with God. And the enemy do not care which one you do. And you will justify yourself to your days long. Because I speak the truth. And we got doctrine. And we're going to take back over this country and make it right again. Or you can be like, oh, everyone needs to do what's right. And everyone needs to give to everything. And we need to be socially... You know, the enemy doesn't care which way you go. The enemy cares when you give your life to the Spirit. And you say, not my will, but thy will. And you love your neighbor as yourself. And you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That is only possible by the Spirit coming into your life when you surrender. Wow, that was a sermon and I haven't even got to the scripture yet. Okay, what, what time is it? This is good, this is good. Because today... Um, Alright, ready? It's the most wonderful time of the year. With the... What? Kids jingle bellings, huh? 
Everyone telling you be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time. It's the hap happiest time of the year. Now, where did you just go when I sang that song? Christmas! You went to summer, right? Christmas, right? Right? And the first day of school. <laughs> no, boo! Whatever, Scrooge. Right? We went to Christmas, and Christmas is so special. Christmas is so incredible. But why? It's not the receiving of presents, but the nature of giving that has made Christmas so incredible. And here's what's crazy about Christmas, and I used to drive me nuts when my mom would do this. Did your mom ever do this? She would put Christmas presents under the tree, not marked. Nobody's name on those, and they would sit there. Yeah, yeah, I got some moms laughing over there. Evil mother. Oh, your mom. Your mom. Okay, I'm sorry. So you're still, you're still in counseling. Okay. Her mom did it. She's not an evil mom. Thanks for being good. Um, because she didn't want us doing the whole, like, whose is this and whatever. Paul, in Romans chapter 12, is speaking of gifts. According to the grace given each of you. According to Paul's letter to Timothy, grace is given to all humanity. All humanity. And what this means, I believe, in Romans chapter 12, is that these gifts were given to all humanity at birth. These are birth gifts. I believe there are spiritual gifts that come at rebirth. And I believe, hey, Maya... Come down here, Maya. We got a seat for you. Right here. We got we saved it just for you guys. Allie didn't run today, did she? No. These guys' daughter has ran this race how many years? Six or five years? Whew, she can retire. That that is Colleen ran it today? That a girl. Hi Maya. I'm gonna give you a hug. Good to see you, brother. Good to see you guys. I'm I was worried I wasn't gonna see you because Allie didn't run today. But you guys can't stay away, can you? Especially on a gorgeous day. Did Maya drive you up here or what? Yeah. We got you a place right here. We're talking about the gifts from Romans chapter 12. But we knew you were coming, so I, I put this clipboard here to save your seat. <laughs> yeah, nobody. <laughs> so, actually, this is a shameless plug. Those clipboards, if you did not pass them down, pass them down. We want to stay in touch with you. Because so many people say, I didn't know you guys were doing that. Did you read our newsletter? Did you get the email that hit you between the eyes every week? Did you see our Facebook post? Did you see the smoke signals we put out from Top Balloon Mountain? How else can we communicate it? So if you'd like to know what we're doing and how we're doing, please grab a clipboard, pass it down, and fill it out. What were we talking about? Gifts. Christmas. Father Christmas. Um, so Paul here, I believe, with the language that he's saying, is according to the grace given to each of you. And in the book of Titus, um, he said that grace is given to all humanity. I believe that this prophecy, that this serving, that this teaching, that this encouraging, that this generosity, that this leadership, I believe that these gifts are given to humans at birth. I believe that because I have people who are dear friends of mine who are not followers of Jesus Christ, who are incredible leaders, 
who are incredible teachers, who are incredible encouragers or givers. So I want today, in the gift of teaching, I want to help you see the difference between the natural gift and the spiritual gift. Okay? The natural gift is given at birth. The spiritual gift is given at rebirth. Jesus explained this to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a, a, a very actually popular church-going leader at the time. And he came to Jesus, he's like, what's the deal with you, bro? He came at night, because he didn't want anyone to see him. And he came in, he's like, Jesus, you're, you're whack, but I think I kind of like you. You're crazy, but I think you're kind of actually have, you're saying the truth. And so Jesus said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Nicodemus says, what must I do? And Jesus said, you must be reborn. And Nicodemus took out his cell phone and looked at a picture of his mom, and then he looked how big he was. He goes, that's not going to work, bro. He goes, no, you don't get it, man. You need to be spiritually reborn. We are spiritually born when we access this, when we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised Him from the dead. You shall be saved. In other words, you shall be reborn. In other words, that your soul comes alive with the presence of the Holy Spirit. That is your rebirth. And I believe that there are spiritual gifts given to you at that birth. And they, I think, are found are in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, and Ephesians 4. But we're in Romans chapter 12. I think these are the natural gifts. And I'm going to explain the difference between a natural gift and a spiritual gift using teaching. Okay, every one of you, think of something that you learned in elementary school. Now, think of someone who taught it to you. If you still remember to this day, my, my guess is that someone who taught it to you had the natural gift of teaching. I think of Mrs. Page in second grade. I read a report I did in second grade on why I should get a dirt bike. I even took a picture of a a Honda, I think it was was maybe 90cc or 70cc. Yeah, I believe so. And uh, you know what happened at at that report in my second grade class? My wife is going to fall off her chair right now. I won the penmanship award. I am actually not even kidding you. I won the penmanship award. And if any of you uh, have given to Loon Mountain Ministry, one of the things I try to do each year is write a thank you note. Last year, we somehow lost everybody's address, and so it never really happened. But this year, I just got done filling out thank you notes for anyone that gave in 2017. You'll get one of those, and you'll go, how did he ever ever win the penmanship award it was because mrs page mrs page taught me how to write cursive and if i slow down and i write cursive right now it's still pretty good none of your thank you cards are in cursive <laughs> it's like you know it's like you know bad penmanship is a sign of intelligence that's what the doctor told me um the natural born teacher teaches what they're passionate about. The natural born teacher teaches what they're passionate about. The spiritual born teacher, by the power of the Spirit, becomes passionate about the truths of God and teaches those. 
Do you see the difference between the natural-born teacher and the spiritual-born teacher? And I've got friends who I believe are naturally born teachers, but I don't think are spiritually born teachers. And I have to be very, very careful, because me, as a leader of an organization, like, you're a teacher, perfect, i got a great place for you, now go teach God's word to all these little children. And i got to be careful, because that person might not have the spiritual gift of teaching. And they go, uh, uh, I'm, uh, I'm exhausted after teaching all week long. I don't really want to teach on Sunday morning. All right? Are you a teacher? Did you just say amen? She said amen. <laughs> She's a teacher. Right? Thank you for doing what you do. And I'm sorry for your pastor. I'm sorry. Well, I'll apologize for him. Okay? We're, uh, uh, and I should have said this earlier. If you're playing hooky on your church today, good job. And I will sign your bulletin after the service so that you, that you don't get in trouble. Um, right? But the spiritual born teacher might not necessarily be a naturally born teacher. The spiritual born teacher has a deep and burning passion for God's truths, both in his word and in his creation. And that spiritually born teacher absolutely cannot help themselves but teach God's truths. Praise the Lord for them. I was raised by one. I'm not sure... Mom, I'm sorry for saying this. I guess I'm on recorded, so... Oh boy, this is... Once I got recorded, it was scary. My mom homeschooled me. And she tried very diligently. And I think she did the best she could. I'm not exactly sure she was born a natural teacher... But, what my mom taught me about God's truth and His Word, I will never forget. And when I sit in the back of a women's retreat where my mother is the speaker, I am blown away. Her ability to communicate the truths of God, her ability to communicate the scriptures to people and make it understandable and relatable and relevant, people come out of her classes just going, Yes, I get it. I get it. I've been I've been a Christian for so long and I just haven't read the word of God because it's scary and it doesn't make any sense and you just help me. I believe my mom is a spiritually born teacher. She consumes the word of God. Just consumes it. Cannot stop. And I believe that if you have the spiritual gift of teaching, you will when you give your life to the Spirit, when you surrender, you will begin to burn for a passion for God's Word. You'll begin to burn to consume it. And I'm really thankful because I I do think God gave me a little bit of a spiritual gift of teaching. Here's what's weird about me, and this is where I think I'm spiritually gifted, but not so much naturally gifted. The natural-born teacher, and even the spiritual-born teacher, loves to study, loves to research. My mom will study and research for 30, 40 hours a week. I want to jump off a building. That's where sometimes I'm wondering, you know. But I do love getting here and helping communicate God's word in a way that my prayer is makes him glorified. Right? That adds to his fame. That, that, that shows you just how valuable he really is. I love, I love doing that. I absolutely love doing that. I also love to teach skiing. I love to teach snowboarding. And I love to explain a cover three versus a cover two while we're watching a Patriots game. And everyone's like, I don't care. 
We scored. Let's high five. Why did you have to explain to me that they were in a cover three, but they rolled into a cover two, but then they faked man? I'm like, because Tom Brady read it before any of them did it. That's amazing. It's like predicting the future. I'm a bit, yeah. Tom Brady has the gift of football prophecy. Amen. I agree. I don't know if that's his spiritual gift. That's definitely his natural gift. And he has the gift of football prophecy. And when you start watching Tom Brady... Sorry, I'll get off the Patriots. Now, if you're sitting there and you're saying, Amen, I'm a teacher. Amen, I'm a teacher. Amen, I'm a teacher. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Please consume God's Word. Please teach God's Word. But, buckle up. This is what James has to say. And it's scary. It is scary. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Don't panic. Don't freak out. When I was eight years old, underneath my Christmas tree was one present for me. There was names on all these presents this year, so I knew it was for me. And I knew that my sister had 10, 15, and I had one. It was about this big, and it was extremely heavy. I couldn't figure it out. Finally, one day, my dad says, Marcus, you have not been good this year. You have really given your mother and I a run for our money. And that, my friend, is a brick. We've wrapped a brick. And at first, I'm like, oh, my dad's a jokester. No. But then Christmas Eve came, and it was still the only gift under the tree. And then Christmas morning came, and it's still was the only gift on the tree. I could handle Christmas Eve, but Christmas Day when I walked down that hallway and that was the only gift on the tree with my name on it, I have to admit, my heart hit my stomach. And I was like, he wasn't joking. And I didn't know what to do because my sister's got 12 to open, you know? And like, when do I open my brick? Before, middle, or end? It's kind of like the argument of the tribulation. Is it before, middle, or end rapture? We don't know, right? So do I open my present before, in the middle, or at the end? So I I think I I don't know when I went for it, but I, I did. And when I opened, when I opened that brick, almost, almost, it was a brick, but it was a brick of 22 shells. 22 bullets. And in my dad's room was a semi-automatic 22 rifle. And it changed everything about that morning. Now, think of how happy I am. Think of how just excited I am to be a kid with a 22. There's not a squirrel within 30 miles that's going to be alive. What did my father do that day with that rifle and me? He said, son, this is a weighty responsibility. This has the power to take life. That is no small thing. You must take care of this gift and use it wisely teachers that's what your father says to you your father offers you the gift of teaching 
And he's not saying to be ashamed of it or afraid of it. He's saying to respect it. Like I had to respect my twenty two rifle, which I have to this day. And when my wife and I lived in Jackman, Maine, in a log cabin that had not been lived in for 30 years, and the critters were trying to get in all the time, it stayed on the top of our refrigerator. It was as redneck as redneck comes. Because we would be sitting around at night reading, and then all of a sudden you'd hear, and it was a porcupine chewing our siding off. Bro, this is our house! I told you last night to go get your own house, and if you didn't get your own house, you'd have to meet my friend. I'm sorry, you're back. He's done. Um, sorry, that was kind of graphic. Um, were we talking about gifts? Oh, teachers, yes. Thank you. Where was I? Um, don't be afraid of it. Respect it. Your father does not make mistakes. He does not make mistakes. He knows what he's doing when he's given you a gift, both naturally and at rebirth. And here's the thing. This is how you know a gift is from God. Right? Because underneath the tree it says, To Marcus, from, you know, whoever. Grandma, Grandpa, Mom and Dad, the big guy in a red jacket, whatever. Um, that's how I know it's to me. It's me. It's mine. Did I give my 22 to my sister? No. This is the deal. Gifts from God are always through you for someone else for God's glory. That's how you know it's a gift from God. It's through you to someone else for God's glory. One more time. Through you to someone else for God's glory. And if you use your gift any other way, it will rot in your hands. And it will make your life miserable. Your Father has not given you gifts to use for yourself. And we humans love, and our, we Christians love to justify why we use our gifts for ourselves. Oh, well, because college is very expensive for my children, I need to make sure. Oh, because retirement's coming, I need to make... Oh, well, because, you know, I don't really have time enough to... Oh, really? I, you know, I... Uh, huh, you know what? The church is really this. They got all these things wrong with them. The pastor, this is all wrong with him and this. So I, eh, I'm not going to do that anymore. And uh, no one listens anyway. We have all these excuses why we use our gifts for ourselves. A gift from God is through you to someone else for God's glory. Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much for Paul and his words to us in Romans chapter 12 about the grace-given gifts to humanity. Lord, we ask by the power of your Spirit that you would take away pride, that you would take away jealousy, envy, that you would take away um, uh, low self-esteem or fear or, 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 or just how people will react if we use our gift. God, would you give us boldness by your Spirit and humility to move forward using the gifts you've given us to bring you glory and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So Lord, we thank you for all the teachers. We thank you for like Moses in the book of the Old Testament. Lord, we thank you for Paul in the New Testament. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, even as a 12-year-old boy teaching in the temple. Lord, we thank you for parents all over the world. Lord, your scripture says that each parent, whether they like it or not, whether they have a natural gift or a spiritual gift, they're teachers. 
And Lord, we thank you for the folks that are ahead of us, that might have a little gray in their head and a little gray in their beard and a little slowness in their step, but they're wise. They've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. Lord, would you unstop the ears of us youth that we might listen to those ahead of us? And would you take away the pride of those ahead of us? They can get down on our level and speak to us. Oh, that the older would teach the younger. Thank you for teachers everywhere, God. Give them rest. Help them to say no. Help them to find space where they're not researching or studying or teaching, but they're resting so they can come back and share the word of God from a heart that's just in love with you. Lord, we thank you for this mountaintop. We thank you for Loon. Bless them. In your name we pray. Amen.